number that's on your screen there, and we want to be in contact with you. So do that for us. Text that number, and a pastor will be in touch with you this week, and we'll make sure to get all that information to you as well about how you can connect with us as a church. Oh, man, it's good to be together. I loved reading the Word of God this morning. That really encouraged my heart today. It reminded me that throughout the ages, we have depended on that same God. Amen? The same God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful. He is true. And we can stand on His promises. So I want to ask you to do that right now. Would you stand up once more? Turn around and greet some folks that are around you this morning. Make sure everybody feels welcome today. has planned for us, it won't prosper because our God is faithful and he's true. Let's sing this together. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never Turn. 
We believe it. Amen. I'm so grateful that in that victory, we don't have to rely on our own strength, aren't you? It's the power of God and His great love for us that gives us that assurance this morning. No matter where we are in that journey, no matter where we are in the battle, right in the middle of it, or we see it coming, or we've just come out of the last one, our assurance and our confidence is in the work of Christ. Sing this together. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all Father, we just worship you today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy that is new every morning. Lord, honestly, we sing a song like that, and it just reminds us of the depth of our own sin.
in the depths of our need for you, for a Savior. And God, we look at our own hearts and we think, how could you love us? And yet you do. And out of that great love, because you so loved the world, you gave your one and only son, Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice. Holy Spirit, would you move in our hearts this morning in a way that reminds us of your goodness and your grace and reminds us of all the ways, Lord, that we can turn those mercies back into praise and into offerings. First and foremost of our hearts and lives. Thank you, God, that your presence is here with us today, in us, among us. Have your way in this place. In the name of Jesus and for his glory. Good morning. It is good to be right back with you again, and I'm excited for us to kind of finish out this week kind of what we're calling stewardship, what would be 201. We did 101 last week, and you know one of the things that's always encouraging to me about that is how many people, every time we preach something like that, come up to me afterwards and say, I have a tithing story for you. I have a great story of, of God's faithfulness in our lives, and I want to share it with you. And this week, as we'll talk about 201, uh, I just remind you of a couple of things about that. Uh, you know, Last week I said that my goal was to not make you feel guilty. I mean, that is, that's absolutely true. I hope that you didn't leave here feeling guilty. Uh, I hope that you left here encouraged and ready to obey the Lord in tithing and uh, following Him in stewardship. And in the same way today, uh, my goal is to not make you feel guilty. And if you leave here feeling that way, then I missed or you missed. We, did, we didn't land the plane where we needed to because that's certainly not what, what the intention is. But today we want to talk about it from a little bit different standpoint. We're going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians a little bit later, so if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles, I'll give you a chance to kind of get there before we kind of jump into our recap. And I, as we do that, I just remind you, I happen to notice this week that we have um, our uh, gospel engagement counters already over 2,000 for this year, which just really got me excited this week to see that you guys are following through with that and you're continuing to gauge people with the gospel and I want to encourage you to keep doing it. Uh, I was reminded this week, you know, there are lots of people who are ready to engage with the gospel. I had a guy kind of randomly run into me, and we were talking, what do you do, that kind of thing. And I said, well, I pastor a church right over the hill over there. And he said, you know, I just moved to town. We've been looking for a church. We haven't been able to find one. And, uh, you know, to start talking a little bit about his family background, I was just saying, man, come and be part of what God is doing. And Judson wants you to come be part of that. Engage people with the gospel Every chance that you get, because if you kind of have your spiritual eyes open to that, you will uh, be surprised at how often it is that God will, will lead you to do that. I think it would also probably be appropriate as we get started this morning, kind of before we start talking about giving. Sometimes I fail to mention, like, you know, I assume you know how to give and where to do that. You can always give in a couple of different ways. One is at the end of every service, we have offering baskets that are out in the lobby uh, right now, and you can certainly give that way, or you can give with your smartphone through what we call the Church Center app, or you can use that smartphone or your desktop to go to uh, judsonbaptist.com, and I think if you look under quick links, you will see giving, and you can log into your user profile if you have one of those. Uh, I did that this morning. It wasn't that hard just to make sure that 
you know, I could say that I did it because I normally don't give that way, but I did it this morning, uh, and, or you can give as a one-time guest that way. Those are great ways for you can, that you can give. Let's recap kind of where we were at last week, and we started with this verse, and I want us to start with it again, and we'll read it again from Psalm 24.1. Would you read it with me? The earth and everything in it is the, uh, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. And then verse 2 says, uh, for he laid the foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. And that's kind of the basis for everything that we talked about last week, right? Is that everything is God's. He owns it all. He made it because he's the creator. Then he gets to determine what happens with it and why we do that. And we kind of talked about this verse last week as well from 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. And I read this for you. It said, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And we talked about why that's an important verse for us. Because if we're talking about the love of money being the root of all kinds of evil, and that it literally is the thing that could pull us away from God, we want to make sure that we examine our relationship to money. As I was thinking about that this week, I was reminded of a pastor who was uh, talking about money in his church, and he, he kind of stole from uh, John Milton's Paradise Lost. And you know, Milton in that, uh, that, that poem talks about these different gods of the age, and one of them that he talks about is the god of mammon. And, and it's this kind of stuff. And, and this pastor said it like this, mammon or stuff, money, promises us those things that only God can give, namely security, significance, identity, independence, power and freedom. Mammon tells us, that, uh, tells us that it can insulate us from life's problems and that money is the answer to every situation. That's convicting because a lot of times we think if I just had money, I could have freedom to go do what I want to do. I could work in a way that would please me and, and we kind of take God out of the equation that God might have called you to a place to work and serve that would be important for you to be there for such a time as this, that God would place you there. And so if we start to look to mammon or money or stuff, and we turn our eyes away from the Lord, then we get in a little bit of trouble. By the way, the church can do that too. The church can say, well, if we just had more money, then we could do more ministry. Well, you can do ministry. Ministry is actually free most of the time. Because it's meeting people's needs with time and, and a listening ear and, and just giving what God has already provided. I mean, mammon is not always the answer to those things. God is, right? Now, God uses those things like money and resources to do all kinds of things. So we're not namely saying that resources or money are bad. Remember, that's not what it's talking about. It's not saying that money is bad. But when we start to lust after that and want that and desire that for our lives... What we're doing is really supplanting it in the place of God and looking to it to solve our problems or our situational needs. Well, one of the ways that God uses to just break that hold that stuff and money and things have over us is through giving. And so if we give, we kind of have the antidote right there to it. You know, they often talk about like if, if you get bit by a snake, that they have a, a venom antidote, you know, that they can give you for those kinds of things. And I guess you're just hoping that you're not bit by one of these exotic snakes. That's just a public service announcement. Nobody should have snakes, you know. And if you're one of these snake collectors, that's just different, you know. I mean, it's just kind of, kind of a unique thing. I hope, that, I hope that around here we have the, the anti-venom for that. But giving is like the anti-venom to, anti to just wanting to have more stuff. 
it really changes your perspective when you start to give. And so we looked at Proverbs uh, chapter 3 and verse 9 and 10, and we, we talked about this. Honor the Lord with your possessions, the first produce of your entire harvest, and your barns will be completely filled, and your vats will overflow with new wine. So if we're going to kind of trust in the Lord, as those earlier verses in Proverbs 3 tell us, we start by bringing the first fruits to God, and we give him what is rightfully his. Everything else, we, we're free to steward and use, but the first of it belongs to the Lord, and, and we kind of got to this and said, well, what is the first fruits? How do we know what that is? Malachi 3, 10, that great verse on tithing, bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, and test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. So the tithe belongs to the Lord. The first 10% belongs to the Lord. Now, if, if I could just remind you of something that you've heard from this pulpit over and over and over again, whether it was me or my dad who was the pastor here before, or Brother Doug who taught us about our missions giving, as a believer, the first thing we have to do is get the tithe right. Before we start talking about how we're going to do anything else with our finances and where else we might give, it starts with the tithe. Because if we don't understand that, then we don't understand the basis for what God is trying to do with everything. And just, I won't read this one, but just as a reminder, if you weren't here last week, we talked about, I've read you some Old Testament verses on tithing, but Matthew 23, 23 Jesus commended tithing as well. And so it's, it's not just an Old Testament thing, it's a New Testament. Now, if you missed last week, I don't often do this. I don't say like, hey, it was so good, go back and listen to it. I don't know if it was good, but it was important. How about that? So go back and listen to it from last week because these foundational things get us to where we're going. Because if God wants a tithe, why, why does he do that? He doesn't need our money, remember that? It's obedience. Somebody said to me this week, and I don't even remember it. I love it when you guys talk to me about the sermons and you, you start dropping these little things that God brings up. And somebody said, uh, Pastor, you know, really every sermon is a giving sermon. And I was like, all right, you got me stumped. How? And they said, because every sermon's about obedience, and that's what giving's about. It's obedience. It's obedience to the Lord. And so when we talk about obedience... We're looking at these kind of building blocks of our stewardship, and the first thing that we see there is the tithe. Get the tithe right. You get the tithe right, we get to 201 now. Right? We're going to build on this a little bit, and we're going to take it a step further. And I'm going to just, if I could kind of give you a, 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 a caveat here for a second, I'm, I'm going to do something this morning that the Scripture kind of gives us caution about because I'm going to share some things from my past that would have to do with giving. And I'm not sharing it with you to say that I've got giving down because, you know, the scripture reminds us don't let your left hand know what the right hand's doing, the right hand what the left's doing, you know, those kinds of things. But I don't exactly know how to illustrate some of these things without just telling you from personal experience. Now, I'm going to also tell you that I, I have made just as many financial mistakes as I have done it right. Uh, so there's, there's plenty of those. And if we were talking about how, how to not do some things, I could certainly write the book on that as well. Uh, but I'm going to do that, and I'm not doing it at all to try to tell you I got it right. So I'm going to do it from the far distant past, not from this year, last year, last week, whatever, to tell you that I've got it right. But these things are on my brain as we get ready to start uh, talking about this. So once we get the tithe right and we get to 201, we really start talking about giving out of pockets. And, and I think there are 
I think there are kind of three pockets that you often give out of. Now, to be certain, when we talk about money, there's really only three things that money can do for us. And money's just a tool. Three things that money can do. If you get money today, if, if, if somebody gives you $1,000 today, you really only have three choices with it, right? You can save some of it, spend some of it, give some of it. And I encourage you to do all three. If you had some unexpected income, you should, you should do all three. Because that's really all you can do with money. You can only save, spend, or give it. And so today we're talking about giving and we're talking about out of some pockets. There, there, there's a pocket maybe over here that we would say is close to my heart. And that's the tithe pocket. That's God's. And you don't have any control over that because he requires it. So that 10%, it's not optional. That's why the scripture says we pay our tithes. You know, it's, it's an interesting terminology that it gives us there that we give those back. Uh, it, it's not just a, a free will offering that we're giving back. It's demanded by the Lord. That's pocket number one. But pocket number two might be the idea of offerings, you know, and, and we would talk about that in, in some different ways about what you might give to some different things. And then pocket number three might be needs. And if you kind of understood those three giving pockets, I really do think that you would kind of have the bases covered. And so we talked about the tithing pocket already, but I want to talk about the offering pocket and the need pocket because I think they're a little bit different. And you understand the offering pocket, you'll get to the need pocket. And, and when you do these things, it's a beautiful picture of what God has done for us. And we'll kind of sum it up like that. So let's talk about the offering pocket for just a second. In Baptist life, there are traditionally kind of a, a couple of different offerings that we would give to. And they surround two different things. One would generally be missions. Uh, if, if you grew up in, in Baptist life, you're familiar with uh, at least two offerings that would be national no matter where you would have grown up. One would be the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. The other would be the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And what Baptists did was they tried to motivate their churches to give at Easter and at Christmas outside and above their tithe and over and against what they would give to their church to support missions. Now, we, we do that. In fact, we just got some Annie Armstrong Easter offerings that we'll put out, I'm sure, here a little bit later. But we give through Global Focus to the Annie, Annie Armstrong Easter offering because we're asking you to give to missions all the time around here, right? We do that every fall, and part of what you give goes to, to take care of that. I was laughing uh, uh, with uh, my administrative assistant this week as she was asking me about these uh, Easter offering envelopes. She said, uh, what, what do we do with issues new with us? And I was kind of explaining what we do, and I was reminded of, of somebody, uh, a little child uh, had asked her pastor one time, like, when are we ever going to pay off Lottie Moon? I mean, like, how long does this last? <laughs> Lottie's gone home to be with the Lord. She doesn't need any money. It's, it's the missionaries that we're supporting when we do these things, right? But we would give around missions, and then we would give around buildings, right? So we would, we would often talk about that, and we do the same thing here. We've asked you to engage in, in giving to missions and do it every fall, and that's over and above your tithe. We're asking you to support the work of missionaries around the world as they promote the gospel message so that all may hear. And it's an incredible endeavor for someone to think about doing that. We've also asked you to give over and above your tithe to things like our building fund here so that you would, would help us with that. So I want to read for you kind of where we see this in Scripture, this idea of offering from the New Testament. And it's 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, let's look at that together. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm just going to read verses 6, 7, and 8 this morning and give you a little bit of, of background about it. But I think it's very important. Paul is writing to a church in Corinth. 
And he's telling them, I'm coming to receive the offering that you guys promised, so get ready to have it. And he gives a little bit of teaching about the offering in verse 6. The point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As he's talking to this church in Corinth, he's outlining really some very basic fundamental principles about the offering. So this is separated and different than a tithe. What he's saying to them is, as you give, there are basically three things that happen that are very important. And and the first thing he says is that there's a law of sowing and reaping. Now, don't confuse what I'm about to say is, remember last week we talked about like giving is not God's lottery system. It's not that at all. It doesn't work that way. We're not giving to get. And we'll kind of explain that in just a second as we look at this because I think he does a good job of that. But he's talking about the law of sowing and reaping. And you saw that in verse 6. He says, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And what he's talking about is sowing the seeds of the gospel and sowing the seeds of ministry there. And there's a reaping of that. Now, now to be certain, sometimes as we give, we know that God says this, as you're entrusted with something and you're faithful in a little, you'll be made ruler over much. That, that's, that is true. But what he's talking about here is not sow so that you can get. He's saying that as you sow and you do it generously, there's a harvest that comes with that. Now, I know this sounds kind of crazy, but it's, it's really pretty elemental if you think about it. Because if you were to go into a field and you said, I have a full bag of seed, I'm only going to put a little out. I mean, what do you expect? When it comes harvest time, I think a lot of us sometimes we're looking around hoping that God's going to make some miracle out of that and, and, and investing very little that God's going to do this huge thing. Now, it is true that God takes what we, what we have and, and he multiplies it. That's true. But what he's saying here is when you talk about ministry, when you talk about mission, when you talk about giving to the Lord for the purpose of his kingdom and for the purpose of ministry, there is a law of sowing and reaping. And remember that our reward, we're, we're, we're often so focused on what it is in earth, but our reward is in heaven, right? And so when we talk about the law of sowing and reaping, if, if we want to see God do great things and we want to be part of that, what we put into it, there's a, a principle there that says we'll reap out of that these spiritual blessings that come to us. And, and, and I just want you to make sure that you understand that. Again, we're not talking about if I can put in, I'm going to get a bunch out for myself. Not what he's talking about. And I think the verbiage as we keep going lets us know that. The second thing he says about offerings when it comes to these things and we're giving out of the offering pocket is that we have to do something called purposing it in our heart. So let's put it this way. We determine it in our hearts. So let's say that we're going to have our global focus mission offering in the fall of the year. Uh, You know, one of the things that we ask you to do is that we ask you to go before the Lord And we ask you to do a spiritual exercise. You remember how that works? Where we ask you to go before the Lord and say, God, what would you give through me this year that you're not just giving for me to keep? What what do you want to do this year in this offering? And as you do that, there's a spiritual exercise of seeking the Lord and God answering and working through that. Now, this is an important piece of this, though. Nobody ever comes to you about global focus 
knocks on your door and says, uh, hey, you didn't give what you said you were going to give. We don't do that. It's anonymous, right? Why do we do it that way? Because we believe that it's purposed in your heart. It's between you and the Lord. You know what the mistake is, though, a lot of times? A lot of times the mistake is that we don't do the work of going before the Lord to determine anything in our hearts. You know, it's funny. The things that we don't see are a lot harder to find from the Lord because they require work that no one else sees either. I mean, you know, it's, it's easy. If I call you and say, hey, could you, could you help us this week? We need some, some help doing a service project. That, that's easy to say yes or no to, right? I mean, it's just, yes, I have the time, I'll come do it. Or, or yes, I'm going to set aside the time and I will, I'll, I'll make that happen. People see it, you see it, it's tangible. A little bit harder sometimes for us to go before the Lord, isn't it? And say, Lord, what, what are you doing right now in my life? What, what part do I need to play in this? God, what would you want me to give? What would you want me to sacrifice, Lord, so that I could do this for you? They're coming for us. What does it mean? What does it do when we do that? Did y'all hear the chopper? Some of y'all are like, what's he talking about? Helicopter, sorry. I don't know. Sorry. Uh, I know. I can't help it. It's one of those moments, and you know what happens. It's just gone. The purposing in our hearts is really important. And a lot of times we just don't want to do that work because it requires us to be still before the Lord. It requires us to make some decisions before the Lord. But the idea is that we purpose in our heart. We do the same thing with building fund around here. You know, I've told you this before, but I I think that this next time that we do a building campaign where we ask you to give in a large-scale building offering, one of the things that we did last time is that we we set a number that we were trying to raise, right? Do you remember that? We we said, let's let's try to raise $500,000 in 90 days and see if we can lop off some debt. And man, by God's grace, we got 431,000, which, I mean, that's crazy. It's awesome. 90 days. I mean, I was blown away. And people say, well, were you disappointed? No, I wasn't because I believe we got everything that we needed. You know, that's how God, that's how God works. I wasn't disappointed in the number. If we'd have gotten, I, I call it like an A minus. You know, it's like, I mean, it, it was really close. If we'd have gotten 500,000, I mean, that would have been awesome, right? We would have said we got an A. If we'd have gotten 501,000, A plus, what? I don't know. But you know, one thing that really bothered me about that, and it bothers me every year in our missions giving, is the percentage of people who give nothing. Zero. It's not the amount that we raise. It's our heart. If we purpose in our heart to do it, and we do it in such a way that that we we know that God is, is leading us to do something, we do that spiritual exercise... It wouldn't matter if what God purposed in your heart to give was $5. Maybe it was $5,000. It wouldn't matter. It would be that we had gone through the exercise of seeking God's face. That's hard. It requires time. It requires you to stop doing other things to really seek what God has for you. You know, I think the next time we do a building campaign... 
we, we may just get one of those. Remember in the old days we would sometimes, or you, maybe you've been at a place where they did this, you just draw a thermometer out and you start coloring it in red till you get it. And, and here's what we're going to look for. It's not going to be a number. It's going to be 100% participation. 100% of us seeking the Lord. 100% of us going before the Lord and doing it based on what God purposed in our heart. Not because I gave you a great spiel about why we need to do it, because I don't want to do it out of compulsion. That's what the scripture says. You determine it in your heart. And that's what's so great about an offering. What we're understanding here is the tithe basically is the bottom floor of giving. That's it. 10% keeps you obedient to the Lord at the minimum. But then as you start to give beyond that, you're honoring God, and I want you to see something. God says do it with a cheerful heart. He says purpose in your heart and be cheerful about it. It shouldn't be this grudgingly kind of thing that you have to do where you're like, oh, I didn't really want to give today, but the pastor's really twisted my arm, or I felt bad, or you know, they put up these pictures of people around the world, and if they hadn't have done those, I probably wouldn't have given as much, but I feel awful about that, and I, want to, I don't want that to be it. I want you to go before the Lord, and I want you to seek God's face. And bring what God tells you. That's it. Third thing that we see is that God provides everything we need. Would you look at verse 8 again? God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. That's an interesting statement. That God's going to allow every grace to overflow to us so that in every way we'll have everything we need, which God already promised us. Remember, Jesus promised us that. That we'll have everything we need. That God gives us those things. But notice what it says. So that you excel in every good work. In other words, it's not just about our need that we have for ourselves, but that we'll have what we need for the good work. Because again, we're talking about the law of sowing and reaping. Giving beyond our grasp. Giving so that, that God's kingdom might be extended around the world. And as we do that, it says that God will provide everything we need for every good work. I've told you this story before, so I feel safe in telling it to you again. And, and I tell you this story because this was a time where God was working in my life to deal with this very issue. I was sick a number of years ago. Many of you remember that. Uh, many of you uh, are new, and you, you, you wouldn't have known that whole story um, and the story is not important except that I was sick for a long season and we didn't know what was going on. And um, the, the interesting thing about that was during that time period, uh, you ever get sick in the, like right at Christmas, you know that that's not a good time to be sick because what's going to happen with your insurance in January? All your deductible, it turns right back over again, right? And so, uh, you know, my doctor was running all kinds of tests on me from November to December and so then you start getting those bills in January, February, and in March, I got, you know, I had more of these tests run all the way through the end of the year, maxed out all the insurance, all that kind of stuff. And I'd called Vanderbilt Hospital, and they were very, very gracious to me to put me on a payment plan and say, you know, if, if you just pay X amount of dollars a month, you can keep doing this. It's no interest. Be able to do it. I agreed to it, told them that I believed I would have it paid off in just a few months. It wouldn't take that long. God was going to provide. Didn't know how. And so what we started doing is, we were taking money out of our envelope system. So uh, we were using the envelope system that Dave Ramsey kind of advocates. And, and we were moving money around, you know, for groceries and clothing and cars and gasoline and different things like that. And at the end of the month, 
I would take over, I would take everything back out of the envelopes that we hadn't used, and I was stuffing it in a medical bill envelope and just paying that out and just getting it done. And I had a month in the summer where it was really strange. I had, I think it was, a, I think the number was $117 left over with some change. And it was a weird kind of season in the cycle where the, the medical bills had all been paid up. Like I was, I, was already at, I was already at zero and I was waiting for more to come in and all this kind of stuff. And so I just began to ask the Lord, like, should I just go ahead and pay this down or should I hold it back or, or what? And I had this distinct impression that the Lord was saying, wait. Okay. A friend of mine came in from out of town. Uh, he'd been serving the Lord overseas. And uh, we were having lunch because he was coming to speak at our church uh, later that week. And he was late. And he was like 30 minutes late. He texted me, said, I'm running behind, sick child, whatever, I'll be there in a minute. And, and I, I, oddly enough, I had this envelope sitting in, in, my, um, in my briefcase with me, my little satchel thing. And uh, when he showed up, I said, man, what's been going on? How you doing? He's like, oh, it's great. He goes, you know what's crazy about where they were serving is overseas. He was teaching at a school, and the school provided really good insurance for the medicine. The medicine that his child needed was free, but the doctor's visit had been like, you know, he had had to pay out of pocket. And I said, you know, I had this strange feeling today that, that I had this money, and I, I don't exactly know how to explain it, but I feel like that I was supposed to give it to you. And he was like, well, how much is it? And I was like, I don't know. And I opened it up, and, you know, it's... It ended up being $117, and he started crying. And he said, that's what I just paid to the doctor, $117. And I was like, you got to be kidding. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. I had no idea it was going to work that way. That's awesome. I came to church that Thursday night, and uh, we were running a singles ministry called Thursday Church. You know, young professionals uh, who, who were there. I, I see some of our young professionals who are in here now who were, who were in that group or who are married and, 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 and further down the road now. I mean, just some great things. And in, in that night, uh, a lady came up to me that was coming to, to that group, and, and she said, hey, I just got a bonus at work, and I feel like God wants me to give you some money for your medical expenses. And I was like, that's crazy. That's awesome. Thank you. And she said, how much do you need? And I was like, odd thing is right now, I'm paid up. I don't know. I mean, it'll... I'm sure some more will come in or something like that, but I'm paid up. And she said, um, well, what do you need? And I said, well, I mean, I'm paid up. I don't know. Why don't you go home and pray about it and whatever God tells you to give? I'm sure it'll be the exact thing that God wants to do. The next week she came back and she handed me a check for $500. I took 50 of those dollars. I tithed off that. The next bill I got was for $450. Do you see what God does as he supplies all of your needs for every good work? Right? It, it was just money passing through hands. Right? But there were three people kind of all blessed in this because of what God was doing as we purposed some things in our hearts. So this idea of, of total participation becomes really big. And, and I just... I just want you to think about that. I want you to think about going before the Lord and purposing so that when we talk about the building fund, when we talk about a benevolence offering, we talk about you know, doing something in missions, take the time to purpose in your hearts. All right, so that's giving pocket number two. We have the tithe over here next to our heart. We have, have the, the pocket over here that is the offerings. And this third pocket is the need-based pocket. This is when you see a need and God just impresses on you to meet it. 
It could be trying to help a person you see in need as you just go about your daily, uh, daily routine. It could be uh, answering a call for a benevolence need or a special need with one of our mission partners. And, and this is important. I want you to see this. I, w- I want to read for you Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 17. It said, kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord, and he will give a reward to the lender. It didn't say that we're loaning money to the poor. Right? It's a loan to the Lord, and he gives a reward to the lender. So as we see a need, there's this opportunity that we have. And I reminded you of this last week, but I remind you of it again. The wheel of life rolls like this for all of us. Don't think that it doesn't. It will. Right now you may be at the top and you're the person who's doing the giving. And maybe in six months you'll be at the bottom and be the person who's taking the, the receipt of those funds. doesn't matter. It's all God's, right? And, and I, I just say this to you. A lot of times people kind of get a little goofy. I've learned a long time ago. If somebody walks up to me and says, God told me to do this and I want to give you this. I don't, I, no, don't do it. Don't do it. No. I'm not going to rob them the joy of what God's done. Wouldn't that have been sad if... If I had robbed uh, that person the joy of giving and I was able to go back to her and tell her, you're not going to believe this, you gave me 500 and I gave 50 to the, to the Lord, I tithed on it, and then 450 of it came right back to be the perfect bill that I needed. I mean, that was a joy that she had and that I had and that my friend had because God was doing something. As we allow ourselves to be a, a conduit to these things, God meets needs for his people. I want you to see Hebrews 13, 16. It speaks this well. It says, don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. And it often is a sacrifice because oftentimes as you're meeting a need, there, there's something else that you wanted. You know, there's something that you had already maybe purposed those dollars for, or you were thinking about buying, or, or you saw a need for yourself, and God says, no, put it over here. And as we do that, it's a sacrifice, but it pleases God. And, and I've got to say, one of the great things that I love being your pastor for is I love being the conduit of blessing. That, that's, that's one of the most exciting things that I get to be is the conduit of blessing. I love it when people come up to me and say, hey, could you make sure that we get this done over here? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I love, to be honest with you, you know that my favorite night of the year is our night of giving, right? I mean, I absolutely love it uh, because I get to have all the fun and you get to do all the giving and we all get to have all the good time with that, right? As we bless our mission partners, I love it. I love it when we're a conduit to those things. When you come up to me and say, hey, could you do this? I want to help that person with their car. I want to do this for that person. I want to I meet that need of that family. Would you, would you just make sure that they get it? We love doing that. And I love it when you're doing it because you see a need and you're able to do it. Now, this is the kind of thing that, that might happen as you're driving around Nashville and you see someone who's in need, you know. Uh, it, it might be that uh, it's somebody in your family, you know, your extended family who's in need. Or maybe it's somebody that just lives in your orbit and you know a little bit about them and, and, and they're in need. I remember a, a number of years ago uh, when we were living in Lynchburg, Virginia, my wife was a school teacher and our school had these school uniform things that the kids had to wear and one of the families that was, was going to school at our school, the dad had lost his job, and it was just a tight time for them. And, you know, they were trying to keep tuition money up and all those kinds of things. And the kids had done all the hand-me-downs they could do for the school uniforms, you know, through the family. And it was just kind of one of those things that, that they, were, they were out, and they needed, needed a little bit of help. And I remember sitting at a Cracker Barrel in Lynchburg, Virginia, and my wife telling me this story, and I was saying, well, why wouldn't we buy those kids school uniforms? That's only happened to me once. It doesn't happen all the time. Do you see what I mean? But God impresses upon your heart, and you do it. Well, as you do that, 
We're doing it for someone, but what we're really doing it for is the Lord. What you're doing it for is you're storing up treasure in heaven. And when you give like this, you're most often saying no to something that you want to say yes to something that's far more important. Can I ask you a question? Can you just do a quick inventory? Is there anything that you really need right now that you don't have? And I distinguish that between a want, right? I mean, if we were talking about our wants, most of us spend more time thinking about our wants than we do our needs. And wants aren't bad. This this isn't, by the way, this is not a sermon against getting something that you, you know, you want. You know, it's it's not that because money's only three things. Remember, save, spend, give. That's it. So you can spend it in that way, but. The truth of it is, it wouldn't hurt some of us to re-examine this and go, do, do I need that? I know I want it, but do I even need it as a want? Sometimes the answer is yes. But sometimes the answer is no. And by saying no to ourselves, we get to say yes to something that's far more important. Let me sum up this little bit for us today get the tithe right don't miss out on getting the tithe right oftentimes we try to jump to the offering pocket or the need pocket and think that we're doing okay but we haven't given God the foundational part of what is his trust me you will live better on 90% than you would with that extra 10% that you're holding back that is God's it's not yours You'll you'll live better. Trust me. Secondly, you you can't buy God's favor. You can't buy it. And what I mean by that is that as we give, we're not doing it so God's in debt to us to do something for us. That's not why we do it. But we do it in such a way because it's important for us to honor the Lord with our possessions. A number of years ago, I was talking to somebody who was doing some work for a church that I was a part of, and he didn't go to our church. In fact, he didn't go to church anywhere. He was, to be very honest, maybe a little bit of a rascal. And uh, this little project that he was doing for us at our church, I wanted to thank him because what he was doing was He had bid on the project. He had come in as low bid. And what he was doing was just charging the church for materials. And the labor and everything of his crew, he had taken that and he was paying for it. And I was appreciative of that. And so I was just telling him how grateful I was that he had done that. And and he looked at me and he said, well, I didn't do it for you. I did it for God. I assumed as much. But I think what he was missing is that somehow by doing that, that put God in his debt. It just doesn't work that way. You don't buy God's favor. God gives his favor. You can certainly get God's blessing through obedience, but you can't buy his blessings. It doesn't work that way. Don't don't think about it like that. Think about it in terms 
of why we do it. First, we tithe because we're obedient. Second, we do it and give these offerings because of what God purposes in our hearts, and we do it with the right attitude, but never to buy God's favor. Final thing I'll remind us of today, when you give, you're never more like your father. Think about it. If somebody wanted to tell me how they could be like God the Father, give. Why? Because he gave everything. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. And if we could be imitators of Christ Jesus, imitators of God the Father, we can do it very kind of uh, tangibly by giving. And, and to imitate your father is a good thing. You remember when your kids used to want to be like you? And then they became teenagers, right? And then they walked far away from you in the mall or wherever it was. You know, it was just, you remember those days? Years ago, my dad was preaching in East Tennessee at this little church, uh, doing a revival meeting. And he told me the story that before the revival meeting got started that night, he was talking to the pastor down front. And this little kid came walking in. He had glove, like, uh, gloves on. And he shook my dad's hand and real kind of precocious little guy, full of himself. And my dad asked the pastor, like, what's up with this guy? You know, walking around with the gloves on. It was middle of the summer. And the pastor just said, well, give it a minute and you'll see. And a few minutes later, dad said he was standing there talking to some other people. And he looked up the aisle. And there was a man coming down the aisle who didn't have his legs below his knees. He had gloves on his hands, and he was coming down the aisle on his hands. Well, that was that little kid's dad. He was being like his dad, wearing the gloves. We're never more like our father than when we give. And can I tell you something? Your father loves you so much, he gave everything. You know what the gospel is? It's good news. And the good news about Jesus Christ and God the Father is this. We were all separated from God in our sin. Every one of us. We're separated because our sin drives a wedge between us and the relationship that we were meant to have with God the Father. And there is no way back for us to get there. We can't buy our way back. We can't be good enough our way back. We, none of that works. The only remedy for that was for God to send his son Jesus Christ. The God-man who came and lived a perfect life, never sinning, and died on the cross, not because he deserved it, but because we deserved it. Death was our sentence, and God sent his son. And in that moment, when Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. We just sang about it, how deep the Father's love for us. His wounds bring us healing. The Bible says that Jesus died on the cross and he was buried, rose on the third day and ascended into heaven to live forever at the right hand of the Father. And God loves you so much, he sent his only son, that if you would believe in him, you would have everlasting life. We're never more like our Father than when we give. If you've never given your life to Christ, give it to him today. Let's pray. Father. Our prayer is that you would remind us and help us as we think about stewardship and we think about, Lord, what it means for us to be entrusted with these things. 
Our prayer, Father, is that you would be glorified. Remind us today, Lord, that we are never more like you than when we're giving. Father, how we love you. I pray for our congregation, Lord, that you would help us to do the difficult work of going before you and purposing in our heart what we're to give and tithes and offerings, Lord, to honor you in that way, to meet the needs of those around us and to be reminded that while we're doing it, we're just, Lord, storing up treasures in heaven. For the person today who doesn't know you, I pray today they would be saved. Lord, we ask these things in your precious name, amen. Today's a a special day for us, and we'll kind of uh, get to that in just a second, but I want to make just a few announcements uh, that will be important for you to remember. The Tennessee Baptist Convention is hosting disaster relief training here the 18th and 19th. You can stop by the Next Steps desk. It'll be a Friday night and through the day Saturday. It's great, great training. I'm planning on being here for part of it because there's some stuff that I'm super interested in as well uh, that's going to be there. And we'll teach you how to uh, run a chainsaw. We'll teach you how to do emergency communication. We'll teach you how to help people with disaster relief and flooding and and all kinds of construction and different things like that. Daniel Boone's down here. Wave wave your hand, Daniel, so everybody can see you. If you have questions about that, Daniel uh, works with disaster relief. He's always in this service, and Greg Fuson's always in our second service who works in disaster relief. If you have questions about that, make sure that you stop and see them. Uh, Don't forget as well, Kirk mentioned it, but you know our renewal conference really kicks off next week with our our prayer time in the afternoon. We're going to have our prayer time at 4 p.m. in the afternoon next week, and we'll be talking next week week about about what it means to go before the Lord with a, a spirit of prayer and fasting, getting ready for that. And then we'll have those three weeks of renewal conference on those Sunday evenings going all the way to March 6th, and we'll have different speakers for that. That'll be from 6 to 7. Make sure that you plan to be here. That's always a special time for us that you... Don't want to miss. I, I want to invite Pastor Jack to come up here. Uh, this is a special day. Doesn't have, come on, come up here, Nana. Nobody knows. Come, come on. Jen, come on up here. She's hiding in the back. I should have said for her to be up here anyway. Uh, Pastor Jack and Jen are uh, special to me, not just because uh, he works on staff here, but he is my niece's grandfather. How about that? So that's special right there. So I, I guess that makes us related somewhat. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Uh, and and uh, Jen, I, I have known uh, Jen. Well, I really don't have any recollection of my life not knowing Jen because uh, I've known her father and, and mother as I was a child. Uh, my dad came to pastor the church that she had grown up in. And so uh, we've had a special connection through the years. And today is a special day because we're kind of doing a bunch of anniversaries. I should have said, you know, yesterday was David Caniff's uh, anniversary, work anniversary, and Joy Smith's anniversaries today over here. But we mark these big ones a little bit different. This is 15 years of service at Judson Baptist Church for Pastor Jack. And I told him this. He started as our children's pastor. Now he works for us doing all of our adult discipleship, our family work, and different things like that. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate Jack, and I know you do too. Would you let them know how much you appreciate them today? What a milestone. We love you, man. That's good stuff. Appreciate you. Give you a, yeah, give you a yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what a special day to be able to recognize him. You, you know, it's a, it's a crazy thing. I keep saying this to you, and I, I hope you recognize this. 
Um, Joy, Joy, how many years will it make? 16. So see, we, we kind of recognize you on the big ones, on those big uh, five-year increments. But I want you to think about that. Uh, this summer, I think we'll have three more 15-year anniversaries on staff this summer. That's a long time and a lot of cohesion. It's a special thing when that happens in a church's life. Uh, and one of the things that I'm endeavoring to do is something that Pastor Jack just hammered in me as a young staff member early on. He said, you know, uh, it's important for you to stay a long time because it's important for a church to see how you raise your children, how you bury your parents, how you live with teenagers, how you go about the changing seasons of life. And I appreciate you doing that, Jack. Thank you for doing that and, and letting us see you walk through all the seasons of your life. And we're grateful for that. Today's also a special day, and we, we kind of had a, a mention of this before the, the, the new year, but wanted to say that it was probably worth a, a recognition as well. My administrative assistant, who was also our office manager uh, for many, many years here, and you, if you called and asked a question about something at the church, more than likely you probably got to speak to her. Uh, in January, she retired. And, uh, and has gone home to be a full-time grandmother and all kinds of other good things that are special. Would y'all welcome Belinda and Mike Cook to the stage for just a minute? Y'all come on up here. Yeah. Appreciate you so much. Grateful for you. Belinda has uh, kept us straight for many years. We've got something for you, Belinda. Love you so much. And Mike, grateful for you. Mike's one of our deacons. Belinda has... Uh, has kept me out of the ditch more than you recognize. You just remain standing for just a second. And, and uh, she came to me in October and said, I think it's time for me to make that transition. And you asked me to give you a chance to, to have a little time to figure out what that would look like. And so we prayed about that through kind of the fall of the year. And God's brought us uh, a great person. Pat Poindexter has uh, taken Belinda's spot. And so if you call now, you'll get to talk with Pat. And uh, we're just grateful for all that you have done uh, you guys don't realize this, but uh, there's so much that goes on every week that you never see so that we get to Sunday, and uh, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that make that happen, and we're really grateful for Would you all let them know how much you appreciate them one more time? We love you. Thank you. I hope retirement is good to you. Well, guys, uh, what a good day for us to be together. Uh, let me just say this. I love you. I love being your pastor. I love that we get to do this every week. I'm glad that we get to share the word of God. I'm glad that we get to walk together every week. Don't forget to give as you go. Offering baskets online uh, or on the Church Center app. Okay, God bless you. We'll see you.